everybody. Welcome to the Melissa and Devin Show, where we're always unscripted, raw, and unedited. Come on, be a fly on the wall while we're bitching in the kitchen about current events, politics, family matters, and relationships. There, Melissa. Hey, Devin. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so excited. I bet you're excited. We have a very special guest in-house today. Someone else to bitch in the kitchen with us. Yes. So my husband's with us today. We're going to cover all things... Uh, firearms, policies, rules, regulations, some stats. So we'll dive right in. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself and your history with firearms themselves? Yeah, ladies, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Matt, uh, Melissa's husband. Uh, I've been around firearms my whole life. My father was a hunter. We ate a lot of wild game growing up. Um, bit of a sports shooter. Uh, did some skeet shooting, so you shoot the uh, orange disc with a shotgun when they're flying through the air. Uh, when I got old enough, I went on my own, got my own licenses and my own firearms. Uh, so now I am a hunter, sports shooter, uh, worked in a gun range, built a gun range, trained people, trained with people, done a lot of that stuff, uh, range officer here at the range in Peterborough. So definitely have a broad spectrum of qualifications to add to our uh, little journey on our podcast today. So thank you for being with us, man. It's really awesome for you to join. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So <clears throat> we'll start with basics for people that don't know. So in Canada, how do you legally uh, purchase a firearm? Well, Canada, like, yeah, you got to get a license. doesn't matter what province you're in. Uh, everybody's treated the same, unlike the states. But basically what happens is uh, you got to find yourself a course. Uh, you got to be, you can be 12 years or older, uh, 12 to 18. You get what's called, like, a, an apprentice permit where you can hunt with your father or someone else who's licensed. Uh, but when you're 18, you can go and get your own firearms license. So basically, you uh, you find a course, find someone that offers it. Uh, they're kind of hard to come by. Very few people do them. Um, but once you do get on a, a waiting list, basically, you just got to wait for that course to come around. Um, it's usually a weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday type thing. Um, it's about 260 bucks to do the course. And basically, they just teach you firearm safety, safe handling, proper loading techniques, they give you a rundown on the, the laws, the rules, the regulations surrounding firearms. And uh, that's just for what's called a non-restricted license. So after you do the course, you're going to get uh, the paperwork sent back to you in the mail. Once you receive that paperwork, you got to send it away with an application. Um, it is around, I believe, 86 eighty dollars roughly uh for the application um you got to send in a passport photo uh you have to have two references you got to list all your conjugal partners in the last two years uh you have to have a professional uh person like a doctor a lawyer or a notary uh sign the back of your passport photo to make sure that it's actually you then you got to send all that stuff away to the rcmp where it could take anywhere from three months to two years before you actually get a license so uh, depending on how long you wait on the waiting list to get on a course and how long it takes for that paperwork to come back to you and then sending it away and how long it takes the RCMP to approve you for a license, you could be upwards to two years or longer just to get a non-restricted license. 
And that, okay, so let's explain that since you touched on that. So that's a non-restricted license. So that is for, what would that cover? Uh, that's just your basic bolt action, hunting rifles, shotguns. Uh, there's a few semi-autos in there, but basically uh, anything you'd want to hunt with. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you want anything more than that, there's what's called a restricted license. Um, I would assume that is significantly more difficult to qualify for um well yes and no um it is once you get your non-restricted and you wait for your license to come in then you can sign up for a restricted course and then you got to do the exact same process all over again so you pay another 260 bucks you do another course you get more paperwork uh there's just a few more laws surrounding restricted firearms and there are non-restricted mm-hmm. so that you learn that stuff and then obviously the safe handling of your non-restricted so mostly uh handguns uh things like ar-15s um that stuff's all kind of been prohibited now um so really there isn't a full use of getting a restricted license these days there, mm-hmm. there are only a few restricted uh rifles out there mm-hmm. um it's, it's not really worth it in my eyes but uh before may of 2022 it <coughs> definitely was worth it because you know you can get your handguns and stuff like that but yeah you could be an entire another two years um before you uh get it restricted so to get a non-restricted restricted you, you can almost be four years by the time you get those so how would that impact somebody where they have to carry for their job like a police officer corrections officer someone who's you know working with firearms on a daily like armed security that kind of stuff yeah so uh, police <laughs> and military they don't have to have a license that's uh uh, an entire different thing. Uh, when, you go to, when you go to police college, you get firearm training there. Um, you keep your service pistol with you at all times. You take it home with you in your uh, in your vehicle. You would have a shotgun and a, a patrol carbine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny that the media calls it a patrol carbine, and then they call it for us assault weapons. But uh, it's basically the same thing. And then in the military, yeah, you do uh, your training depending on your trade. Uh, you go to basic training. You learn how to shoot what's called a C7. Uh, you can call that an M16 or an M4 in the States, and you don't need a license for any of that stuff. So basically, that type of job or that type of career path gives you an entitlement that that just is part of the job. You don't have to go through this four-year licensing process. Yeah, unless you want to have uh, your own firearms to train with on your own time or your own collection. Uh, you don't need a PAL or an RPAL for that. That's interesting. It's interesting that people that are, you know, daily use carrying jobs don't have to have any certification or whatever licensing that's strange outside of like outside of their yeah like to be qualified for the job i would assume just me being an an average joe or an average jill that uh you know if i was going to send my son to police foundations for instance and he was going to go take a law enforcement course at college that they would include that certification process and whatnot in that two-year course that would be my assumption so good to clear that up good to clear that up let's jump back just for a second when we're getting licensing and we're qualifying um just clarify for people that you don't just take the course and automatically receive everything can we just dive into that real quick of what you have to qualify with and there's a written, there's... Oh, yeah, there's definitely, there's testing. I, I failed to mention that, but there is a written test. There's a practical test. Um, they'll try to fool you, too. They'll have uh, different firearms out with different uh, dummy ammunitions. And what they want you to do is they want you to read the round 
or the caliber on the rifle and on the uh, cartridge. Uh, it's not a bullet, bullets are part of a cartridge, but the ammunition piece, we'll call it a cartridge, and just make sure the numbers match before you load it up and stuff like that. So not only are you being safe for other people, you're not going to end up blowing your face off or your, or your own hands by loading the wrong ammunition. And yeah, you have to pass. And if you don't pass, you got to redo the course. And then, like I said, when you do send it away and you have to list your conjugal partners for the last two years on that application, um, if you have a, an ex-partner who's really salary with you, they will be contacted and it will ruin your chances of actually getting a license. Um, of course, they do a CPIC, so background check, criminal record history, anything like that. Um, sometimes even if you have a DUI, it's going to be really tough to get a firearms license. A any violent history or anything at all like that, you're definitely uh, not getting it. I just think that's important to kind of clarify because some people I just that are uneducated with this are just, it's really easy. Yes, you, you have to get a license, but it doesn't matter. It's just, it's still really easy. It's still, you know, this easy thing. You just walk into Canadian Tire and buy a shotgun, whereas... That's not the case. It's in not the case. No, it's not easy at all. <coughs> um, I mean, I've been a reference for other people as well. So when I've been contacted by the RCMP, like they've asked me, like, is there any reason why this person shouldn't have a firearm? You know, so like if you know someone's a little bit crazy or a little bit violent, then you kind of want to be honest and say, well, yeah, I don't think they should, or no, they're they're fine, right? Um, another thing I should state too is. The Criminal Code of Canada states that it is a federal offense to be in possession of a firearm in Canada. So automatically, everyone who is in possession of a firearm is breaking the law, breaking a federal law. Um, having a PAL or an RPAL, it just grants you amnesty from that Criminal Code violation. Um, that right there, that speaks to me that no other gun laws are really necessary because that kind of takes care of it. That separates a legal law-abiding firearm owner from a criminal. Because let's face it, I said it could be up to two years before you get a license, but not. Uh, I don't think someone who wants to commit a crime or rob a bank or their intent is shooting somebody, I don't think they're going to go through that process and wait that long in order to get a legal firearm to go and do that. You know. Well, and that would, you know, absolutely. And also, if you're if you're poor intentioned and or have bad intention, like you said, you know, if you're going to rob something or or hold somebody up or or start doing home invasions with a firearm you're not going to just wake up one day and be like i should give the rcmp all of my personal information all of the information around my family give them my legal address my you know a blood sample a hair sample a back tooth and a you know basically and a fingernail clipping and your firstborn child and my firstborn child and you know, you're not going to go about it that way. You're going to buy one on the street. And you're going to get one out of the trunk of somebody's car. You're going to buy one in a back alley somewhere in a paper bag. Absolutely. You're, which takes 20 minutes. You're not going to. Uh, you're not going to go through the legal process. Correct. To um, or you're going to rob a house that you know has firearms, and you're going to take one of theirs. <clears throat> right. Which I'm if sure happens available. as well. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but. Uh... The way our rules and regs are set up, uh, they're supposed to make that harder and harder to do. Absolutely. They're supposed to keep stuff locked up and stuff. On that note, let's go into kind of some of the rules and regulations for legally obtained firearms because there's a lot of conflicting information when it comes to 
the states and Canada, what we're allowed to do, what they're allowed to do. Let's, let's dive in. Yeah, so once you're licensed, start, okay, once you're licensed and you want to go purchase a rifle to go hunting, let's say. Right, right. So once you're licensed, you're all good to go. Uh, you're going to have to go to a gun store. Um, before um, May of 2020, uh, your non-restricted guns, it was just kind of, you show your license, they record your information down. Um, they have a little program on their computer that's tied to the RCMP firearms program that they can confirm that your license is legit and that it hasn't been recalled or expired for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you can purchase a non-restricted firearm. Uh, once you have that, um, this, leaving the store with it, um, transporting a non-restricted firearm um, in the regulations, it, it simply just says unloaded. That's all it says. So technically, according to the law, you can just put it in the trunk of your car or in your back seat as long as it's not loaded or has ammunition in it or near it anywhere. It's 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 legal. But before, how we talked about police don't have pals, so they haven't gone through that process. They don't know the laws like pal holders do. They're going to automatically assume if you get pulled over that this thing should be locked up or whatever and, and you're going to get charged anyways. So gotcha. I always tell people, hey, if you're going to do that, put it at a site. Maybe put a blanket over it or put it in the trunk or just one-up it. Put a trigger lock on it. Put it in a locked case. Uh, that <laughs> way, you're not going to get yourself into trouble because what happens is if you get charged, a cop can charge you with anything. They have to prove that you're guilty in court. You can prove yourself wrong. That's going to cost you a lot of money getting a lawyer. And in the meantime, all your guns are going to get taken away. Your license is going to be suspended. It's just a nightmare. It's going to cost you ten grand to get away with it. You don't want to go there. So you're better off just kind of locking it up. Um, For a restricted, it has to be locked up. It has to be double locked. It has to have a trigger lock. And then it has to be in a locked case. And they stay opaque, so it can't be like a clear box. It has to be something uh, dark you can't see through. Mm-hmm. And then again, kind of out of sight. So unloaded for non-restricted and unloaded, trigger-locked, or rendered unoperable and in a locked opaque case for a restricted. Uh, that's just for storage. Also, for a restricted firearm, if you're transporting it anywhere, if you don't belong to a gun range, you have to get what's called an ATT. That's an authorization to transport. So that's another piece of paper you have to get from uh, the provincial firearms office that you're allowed to take that gun from the store to home or back to the store or to the range. Uh, Me, I belong to a range. I have what's called a long-term ATT attached to my license. So I'm allowed to take my restricted firearms to the range and back as many times as I want, but in the most direct route possible. Uh, technically, I'm not supposed to stop for coffee or for gas or go off out of the way, like unless the road's closed or something. Right. Or leave the car unattended for any moment of, his, of time. So <laughs> yeah. you can't run into Canadian Tire and grab something and then leave the weapon in the car while you do that. You need to stay in your vehicle, go directly where you're supposed to go. Definitely not. Um, on that note, I think weapon's a bad term. Um, anything can be a weapon if you're going to use it that way. I know firearms have a stigma around them and stuff, but I prefer to call it a tool if we can continue to call it a tool for the rest of the podcast. Uh, A weapon, I mean, yeah, some guns are weapons. They're used that way, but 
I mean, for me, I shoot holes in a piece of paper with, mm -hmm. with my handguns at the range. So they're not used as weapon. They're used as a sports shooting tool. Of course. Um, so storage at home, back to the laws. Yes. Um, for a non-restricted, it has to be locked up or rendered unoperable. So you can just have a trigger lock on it. So if you have a shotgun or a hunting rifle, uh, trigger lock's fine. Um, you can display it but it has to be locked to the display. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're gonna put on like an old school gun rack, like you would have seen at your grandpa's farm, or hanging above the door or in the back of his truck, you know, it's gotta kind of be locked to that hook or that rack, um, or locked in a safe or a cabinet. Uh, for a restricted gun, again, it has to be double locked unless it's in a safe. And then again, it has to be uh, separate from ammo and also uh, unloaded. So the, these kind of these storage and these transportation laws, they're kind of making it uh, so that it's hard to steal. It's hard for someone to break in. Like if your stuff's in a safe, or if they do get a hold of it, it's got a trigger lock on it. It's kind of a, a pain in the ass to get it off, right? Of course, it's, it's you have to you know saws all it off, and you might ruin the firearm. Um, and then yeah, the storage laws like that kind of prevents you from keeping a, a loaded gun or an easily loaded gun mm -hmm. in your house. To, to maybe use in self-defense or something like that. Right? Makes sense. So, um, a lot of these laws I do kind of agree with. It is safer. Um, but at the same time, um, like I said, back to the criminal code violation, I think that is the, the only really law we need. It separates law-abiding people from criminals. And then these laws, they, these criminals aren't following these laws. They have a legal gun. They're carrying it around loaded in their pants. Um, we're keeping everything kind of locked up, all hidey-tidy. For sure. So, <clears throat> based on current numbers uh, in Canada, uh, how many registered firearms owners are there currently, roughly? Or, I'm sure those numbers are readily available if you search. Yeah, them. I mean... But do you have an idea? Yeah, I got a bit of an idea. Um... Let me see here. I have a, a 2017 survey revealed that there's about 12.7 million legally owned firearms in Canada. Uh, that number is probably higher. Um, there has been an influx in people wanting to get their licenses and wanting to get into sports shooting and hunting. Um, there's about 2.26 million PAL holders in Canada. So that gives you roughly an idea about 26% of households own at least one gun legally. So 2.26 million, <clears throat> and the population of Ontario is 19 million, roughly. So that is like a fraction of just the population of one province, never mind the whole country. Yeah. Like there's what, 4.5 million people live in just Toronto alone, Toronto GTA, mm -hmm. 4.5 million. So that would be, that's a drop in the bucket compared to our population. Mm -hmm. Small percentage. A very small percentage, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. It's wild. It is wild. Um, so you went back to the the date about May 2022, I believe is what you said. <clears throat> and I believe you mentioned that, that there was a big change in the government of Canada and that there were laws have changed, restrictions have changed, and now there has been a ban, a government ban, federal government ban, on what they consider to be assault weapons and handguns in our country. So if you could just maybe elaborate a bit on that, what what was the catalyst to change that process? What their what 
what their intention was and was there, you know, was there, <clears throat> was there like a, a moment in time where it was like, well, this makes sense to change these rules or was it something else? Well, first of all, like they, they said that we're going to ban assault weapons, which to me, that doesn't make sense because to me, assault weapons are already banned. Like I said, back to assault being an action, not something to describe an object. Like I'm sitting on a chair, it's just a normal chair, but if I decide to pick up this chair and smash somebody over the head with it, yeah, now it's an assault chair. Yeah. So to me, assault weapons are things like uh, C9 machine guns or anti-tank weapons or, you know, giant bombs or grenades. Like, yeah, those are assault weapons, which <clears throat> us as legal pal holders, like we have no access to that stuff. Correct. Right. right. Not in Canada anyway. We no, don't, definitely that's not. not over the counter purchasing here. Yeah, definitely not. You can't own full autos. You can't own crazy stuff. Um, they said military assault style weapons, which we have no access to. So that right there, it's just kind of an emotional uh, knee jerk reaction. I don't know if it was for political gain or for other reasons, but yeah, in, in May 2020, uh, they did an order in council meeting they just got together and decided it wasn't a bill that the mm -hmm. house of commons voted on it was some technicality in our federal legislations that allowed them to have an order in council and prohibit 500 models of firearms uh, most were restricted and non-restricted semi-auto rifles uh, some of them are bolt action single shots and then when i looked at the list there was like a crazy looking anti-tank rocket launcher type explosive weapons that I didn't even know I could own, but apparently they weren't prohibited before this, so that kind of breaks my heart a bit. <laughs> but uh, basically they just said anything that kind of looks scary or looks like it's in a movie or a military-style assault weapon, we're going to ban it. Um, it kind of really didn't make sense. Uh, AR-15 was on that list. Uh, the AR-15... People think the AR stands for assault rifle. It actually stands for Armalite rifle. That's the manufacturer that made the first one uh, back in the 50s. Uh, so the AR is not an assault rifle. It's a semi-auto hunting gun. Uh, down in the States, people use it for deer hunting, hog hunting. Uh, they do use it for personal protection, but uh, it looks like what is the equivalent of like an M4 or C7, like a military rifle. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's semi-automatic. Uh, the C7 and the M4, they're, they're fully automatic. Uh, th those are technically assault weapons. Can I pause you just for one second for layman's terms? For layman's terms, <clears throat> the difference between a semi-automatic and a fully automatic is what? Uh, so full automatic, you're going to hold the trigger down and it's going to get rid of every gun inside the magazine or that's loaded inside of it. Um, one press of the trigger, it's going to fire automatically. Gotcha. Uh, Semi-automatic is you have to pull the trigger each time you want to fire one round. Uh, Perfect explanation. Thank you. No I problem. just know that, you know. No problem. It's nicer to have clarification because, you know, for the listeners out there that want to know what the difference is, if they don't have experience with firearms, then that's, you know. Absolutely. Um, um, and then, okay, so I know the other thing that has been an issue is, uh, is it clip size? 
Uh, yeah, so clip, that's another funny term. Okay, right? the, what is it? Cartridge. Cartridge. Uh, magazine. Magazine, okay. Yeah. So, well, th- there are clips. I am I am a typical person. No problem. <clears throat> no problem. Uh, yeah, magazine sizes for sure. It's in our regulations. I forgot to touch on that on the rules. But uh, for semi-auto rifle, uh, you can only have five rounds. So okay. your magazine can only hold five rounds. Uh, for a pistol, it's ten. Um, so most of... Uh, the magazines made for like an AR-15 or a semi-auto rifle, uh, they're designed to hold 30 rounds. Okay. Um, so these ones are either uh, riveted or pinched in a machine or modified so that they can only hold five. And then same for a pistol. Uh, so a, a Glock handgun, a regular magazine will hold 17 rounds. Uh, we, we have ones that hold 10. So again, if, if you're in possession of anything with more than the stated capacities, you're you're breaking the laws. You're in violation. Which mm-hmm. is these guns that they find on criminals and that you see in the front page of the Toronto Sun every time someone's busted uh, with a shooting downtown Toronto. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a full capacity magazine or a prohibited gun already that we can't own. Uh, it's not something that was bought in Canada. It was something that was smuggled here. And again, those rules and regulations, criminals aren't following so let's dive in a little bit more about the differences between Canada and the U.S. Because I know a lot of people that are just uneducated about the rules and what's available, the differences, their mind automatically goes straight to the U.S. They think everything is the same. And then we're kind of here to and lay get, things out of like, it's yeah. not the same. <clears throat> and it gets blurry because... Terms, for instance, you know, you hear these terms like conceal and carry is a term that's been around and is in the media a lot. And that, you know, it it basically means that you are allowed to carry a weapon on your body and that it can be concealed under a jacket, in a purse, in Mm -hmm. a holster of some kind. And um, I am of the assumption that that's not allowed at all in Canada. Yeah, that's true. Um, You're right. We there is a lot of blur. Um, We are kind of put into one with the U.S. when it comes to sports and TV and everything else. Uh, we're pretty much always the same. Um, but yeah, there, there, there is no uh, concealed carry or open carry allowed in Canada. Actually, there has been one permitted instance in all of Canadian history. Uh, it was an extreme case. Um, basically, uh, it was right out of a movie. It was a software developer. His, his partner was kidnapped and tortured because somebody wanted the software. And his life was really threatened, so he was actually granted by the RCMP uh, to protect his own life. It was an extreme circumstance, but only one in recorded history. But um, basically, yeah, like we have storage laws, transport laws, magazine capacities. We have a whole bunch of prohibited uh, firearms now. Uh, a handgun freeze, so nobody can own handguns. If you don't have one already, you can't transfer them, sell them, buy any more. And then down in the States, like, uh, it depends on state. It varies by state. Mm-hmm. It's not one uh, federal thing like we have. Okay. Um, so for most states, um, some do. Like I know Hawaii has uh, a pistol capacity of 10 like we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, California as well. New York has uh, a 10-round rifle capacity. Uh, but basically, it's, it's different by states. Uh, like down somewhere in Texas, 
there's there's open carry, there's concealed carry, there's there's basically no laws. So an open carry would be I can have it visible. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's, it's on your hip. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you got an AR-15 strapped to your back. <laughs> And it's that not, just sounds so comical to it's, me. It's not uncommon to see someone walking around Walmart in Texas shopping with an AR-15 strapped to the back. It, it, that's just how they roll down there. But that's pretty... I, I find that kind of magical, but that's just because I think it's really amazing. But um, So open carry is you could have it in the back of your truck, not locked up, just yep. ready to go. Yep, you could have it on your person, mm-hmm. in you, you know, and then conceal would, means that you can have it in a purse... In a holster, hidden on your body, ankle holster, strapped in, you know, tucked in somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And then their rules to get weapons, of course, I think are a heck of a lot different than ours. Yeah. To obtain a firearm in the States is... Absolutely. Again, it's varied by states. Some some states have background checks and waiting periods and stuff. Um, Just to give you kind of an insight. what you're here for today is to yeah, educate the masses. Absolutely. Uh, the city of Chicago, they ban gun ownership outright. So what? Yeah, it's, At all? It, it, yeah, it's illegal for anybody to legally own any firearm at all if you live in the city limits of, of Chicago. Even though they have one of the highest gun crime rates in the country. Yeah, they had 697 gun-related homicides in 2022. And just 45 just in September alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's illegal for people to own a gun there. So it's illegal to own a gun in the city of Chicago, yet almost 700 people died last year. Shootings. Of shootings. Yeah, that's correct. So in my simple brain math, one plus one equals it's criminally owned weapons that are shooting and killing these people absolutely and, there and is the, no actual licensed firearm owners that are causing gun crimes in chicago absolutely but they're blaming the illegal gun owners that's correct okay um, i'm not off base on that no and then i'll flip to uh plano texas so small town plano texas mm-hmm. uh they have on average seven guns per household it's considered gun nut capital of the world <laughs> amazing and they have about 0.4% murder rate per 100,000. So I think there's about 280,000 people that live in that town. Uh, Plano, and mm-hmm. there's a 1.2% murder rate. So, I mean, if, if the guns were the problem, that means Plano, Texas would be the most problematic town in all of America. Based on the federal statistics of firearms causing bodily harm and death, yep. That is correct. Uh, here in Canada, um, we had 343 shooting homicides in 2022. We had 531 homicides by other methods. So, so that would be like stabbing, throwing people in front of the subway, everything else, running them over in a parking garage, everything else, tossing them off a balcony. That's correct. Gotcha. Um, licensed gun owners accounted for 1.4% of those 531 homicides. So one, the, Sorry, say that number again. 1.4% of 531. So sorry. basically six. Uh, it's, it's five, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's five out of 343 shootings were by licensed people. Um, moose, so a moose. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Rocky, like an animal. Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> have accounted for 15.7 deaths on average per year. 
So in Canada, you're more likely to be killed by a moose than a licensed gun owner. That's just the straight up statistical fact. And that should be headlines across every single media outlet in this country. So if all of these facts and statistics are true, which I believe them to be because they came right from federal, these come right off of federal and gun ownership websites, right? So if they are all true, why, in your opinion, is our current liberal government only punishing law-abiding gun owners that have gone through all the training courses, all the screening, all of the proper rites of passage? Why do you think, based on your knowledge and your expertise, why do you think they have decided to spend $2 billion of taxpayer money on getting rid of guns restricting firearms and punishing people who clearly are not the problem i don't know i i have my own personal theories i would love uh, your personal opinion because this sure. is an opinion podcast yeah i mean i don't know if it's for political gain um that there's several anti-gun organizations in canada uh, one of them is uh, the Polytechnique, I'm sure you heard of him, in 1989 in Montreal in the school. Uh, crazy yes. guy went in, shot a bunch of women. He did. Killed 14 women, wounded 10 more. Um, horrible he, tragedy. Absolutely horrible tragedy. Um, he used the Ruger Rene 14, semi-auto hunting rifle. Um, that was just banned back in 2020. So it took them 31 years to finally ban the gun that killed 14 women at Polytechnique. Um, I feel for these people, the survivors, the, vic the families of the victims, like, I get it. Um, but at the same time, that was in 1989. We haven't really had anything that crazy happen in Canada since. The closest one was the shootings out east. I think that was a couple of years ago. Wasn't yeah, there, there, uh... there was a mosque thing that a guy um, went in and, and yeah, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers of people dead and stuff like that. But, no, uh, and I wouldn't expect you to. And, and we we haven't learned if that was a licensed guy or not. Correct. Right? Um, I feel like when it is a licensed person, the media loves that and they run with it. It makes us all look terrible. Um, but it didn't mention. So like when it doesn't mention that, I feel like it's a smuggled or a stolen gun. Like someone mm -hmm. had something they weren't supposed to. A black market gun. Yeah. Same with that guy who posed as the RCMP officer. Yes. And so the, that was also out east, I believe, yep. right? So he had a <clears throat> smuggled gun from the States that he started with. And then once he killed the first RCMP officer, he stole their guns and then went on a spree, right? Mm -hmm. um, so no law is going to stop somebody like that. No. Right? Because um, that's a matter of mental health. And, and someone who is in crisis that is acting out in a violent way. Absolutely. I feel like uh, this $2 billion would be more directed at uh, law enforcement and mental health uh, programs to, to, to help that part of it. Um, banning guns from people who account for five murders a year seems like a, a waste of time to me. Um, mm -hmm. We have a lot of uh, suicides by firearms in Canada. That is the number one cause of firearm deaths in Canada is suicides. Um, but, like, I work for the railroad. Um, almost every single day I hear of someone getting hit. I've, I've seen someone get hit. Um, via trains do 95 miles an hour through the tracks that I work on. And it seems like a very popular way that someone wants to get rid of their own life. It, it's quick, it's easy, and yeah. they do that. So... 
whether or not firearms are accessible, uh, I think people, if their intent is killing themselves or someone else, they're going to find a way. Like I said, uh, 531 homicides by other methods, 343 by shootings. So take away the shooting deaths, there's still 531s by other methods. People people are evil, it's a people problem, it's, it's not a firearm problem. Um, so again, I'm not sure why the Liberal government really wants to do this. Technically, I feel like they want to disarm us. Um, mm-hmm. They don't like that we own firearms that we're able to uh, defend ourselves with if it, if it ever arises to that occasion. Um, or feed ourselves with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feed ourselves with. Uh, there's, there's no better, fresher, holistic, natural, organic approach than uh, a deer that you got from the woods or a fish that you got from the lake. And I feel if like, they want to take that away, they control the food, um, they can control you. I'm I'm not really sure. I, I don't want to get into like crazy conspiracy theories, but uh, um, well, th- yeah, we have pages. Not and us. Pa- no, <laughs> yeah. we have pages and pages of facts, though. Like if if our listeners could see, we have a table full of fact sheets and a, and and notes and and statistics that have been pulled from federal sources. This isn't stuff we're getting off the dark web. This is real statistics that are coming from our local, like our federal government, local local numbers. Yes, that's Canada. Yeah, from Statistics Canada. So it's not like we're pulling numbers out of the air. These are real, real statistics. Um, and uh, so it's, you know, it uh, it's not it's not a conspiracy if you've got pages of facts, right? Right. It's more. Um, trying to put pieces together to figure out what the puzzle is. Let's back up a little bit because I want you to touch on actually defending yourself as a Canadian firearms holder. What that really looks like, or as I know, doesn't look like. Let's let's dive into that specifically. So you're talking about like using a firearm in self-defense? Yeah, if somebody tried yeah. to break into the house, let's just say... <laughs> So let's say someone, yeah, someone tries a home invasion, right? They're going to kick your front door in in the middle of the night. And you, Matt, being a lawful gun owner, you're home in bed sleeping with Melissa. You guys are sound asleep. The dogs start barking. You hear the door kicked. What's the likelihood that you're going to be able to defend your home property and your wife? Um, I'll tell you right now. I'm not going to go for a gun right away. Like, I have extensive combat training in other areas as well. So I feel like uh, I got all the weapons I need attached to my body right here. Um, But for someone like Melissa, um, I I would rather her use a firearm if she had to. But uh, it's such a gray area in in Canada. Um, You're allowed to defend yourself, but only by any means necessary. So that means... You know, if if she's home alone, she's a woman, she's a small small girl, and uh, a large man breaks into the house and puts his hands on her. Again, with the storage laws, it's it's hard for her to be able to load a firearm quickly and to have it ready available and available for yeah. that. Um, it's going to take her some time. She's got to open the safe. She's got to get the ammo. She's got to load it. You know, it, it could be thirty seconds, a minute, two minutes <clears throat> before she has that. She might even not have time. Well, and that's that's kind of where I'm thinking, like I'm listening to this and it's like, uh, okay, I'm thinking myself, I'm not a licensed firearm owner, I do not have license, I have uh, firearms in my home. So I'm just thinking, okay, let's say 
for me to even get out of my bed in the night, in the dark, with my dogs barking, in in a semi-panic state because I don't know what's happening. I don't know whether a car ran through the front of my house or whether someone kicked in my door. I don't know if my neighbor just fell down the stairs. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Or the raccoons knocked over the garbage cans and broke the back window. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I wake up in the middle of the night. I hear an incredible crash. I'm immediately alert. The first thing I do is get out of bed. Right? And then try and find out what the source of the of the chaos is well by then said intruder is full on in the house is already in my house so for me or melissa for you to get to where you have your safe storage for your firearms for you to open because you have to open two different things you have to open your your ammunition safe and then you have to open your firearm safe then you have to figure out which ammunition goes into which firearm in the dark, in a panic with the dogs barking and someone in your home. Yes. What's the likelihood? Probably, in all fairness. Probably not. There's not enough time. And like you said, with that kind of circumstance, you're disoriented. It's dark. It's, it's probably not going to happen. And someone's charging down the hall. Right. So it's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Um, the, the laws, the storage laws, they're designed to kind of prevent that from happening. However, there have been recorded instances where people were shot mm-hmm. by homeowners, um, some not getting charged and being mm-hmm. high-fived by the police for defending themselves and their family, and yes, some being charged with manslaughter or murder. Um, it, it's such a gray area. It depends on the circumstance. Um, I'll divulge into two quite uh, uh, recent uh, instances, um, both on opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so not too far from here in a rural area, um, there was an instance where a business deal went south and somebody threatened that they were going to kill the other person, yada, yada. Um, said person was at home with their family, uh, heard a truck coming down the driveway, looked outside. It was that person getting out of the truck with a firearm, the same one that was just threatening him. Um, they're in a rural area, obviously, so for police to get there, you're looking at 15, 20 minutes uh, mm-hmm. minimum. Um, he was a licensed firearm owner, had his stuff locked away, um, said to his wife and kids, get upstairs, call 911, tell them what's going on. He went to the safe, loaded up his gun, guy came through the door and he got shot, and he died. Um, the intruder, the offending person The intruder in was shot and killed. Um, with the history of what happened before that, and um, being rural and, you know, proving that everything was kind of locked up and separate like it was supposed to be um, mm-hmm. and the time that it would have taken the police to get there and the guy having a loaded gun himself, mm-hmm. that kind of circumstance, it was warranted. It was justified. The guy wasn't charged. They cleaned up the dead body and... Uh, and everybody went home. Life went on as normal. Uh, there's another instance where a bunch of teenage kids broke into a farmer's house a home invasion at night and one of them had a replica gun um farmer one of the teenagers had a replica gun. yeah okay. yeah yeah one of the teenagers had a replica gun uh the farmer was able to load up his gun and he shot at them and as they were running away he shot one of them in the back killed them so right away shooting somebody in the back that's going to be considered murder or manslaughter um every time um, because they're sense. already running away. They're, you don't have anything left to defend. But in the heat of the moment, we're seeing a gun in your face, you know, 
some people make that mistake. So right away, shooting someone that's running away, that's a big no-no. Um, for me, if someone broke into my house and they had a gun and I was able to get my one of my guns out and defend myself, um, as long as I didn't shoot him in the back, you know, it's probably going to be warranted. But with the way things are going, like, I'm probably still going to get charged. I'm going to lose everything. Um, mm-hmm. If Melissa did it, probably a different story. You know, she's a woman. She's smaller. And she doesn't have a history of combat training like I do. So, I mean... Uh, but still, let's dive into that a little bit. Because the reality is, is we're told, regardless of, like, these situations or whatnot, we're told... Okay, I'm a woman, I'm home, you travel for work a lot, blah, blah, blah. Somebody breaks in in the middle of the night. If I'm going to defend myself in any means necessary, I take the risk. 99% of the time, I'm taking my chance of I'm going to jail. I'm going to lose my license. I'm going to lose my firearms. I. It's not encouraged is I guess the point I'm trying to make here of you've done everything right, you're licensed, somebody's breaking into your home, you're not allowed to defend yourself. You're not allowed. This is the point of all this and kind of the crazy of you're not allowed. You're told, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's situations, but no, if I were to do that, I literally do that at the risk of, you're getting charged and you're going to jail. End of story. You're we're not. A, I mean, this is a totally separate thing, but we're not even allowed to have pepper spray. No, forget a gun. We're not was, allowed to pepper spray you if you break into my home. There was an instance in our town three nights ago. Someone downtown was there was a, a, a verbal altercation outside of a home near the downtown core. Three people were pepper sprayed and one of them was hit in the head with a like a, a stick or a bat or some piece of wood. And assaulted. And the person is on the loose. They did not catch them. The person that sprayed with pepper spray and the person that did the assault was not caught. They're on the loose. So here we are running around. Um, and that goes back to what you said about calling it a weapon. Like, my coffee cup weighs two pounds and is stainless steel. If I got a good swing and hit someone in the head with it, it's now Someone's a weapon. Stitches. That's an assault cup right there. <laughs> it's an assault cup. Um... I know people that have been charged with assault with a weapon for striking somebody. Absolutely. And spent time in jail and was were spent a lot um, a lot of money to get their life back in order after that. Um, so, back to what Melissa was saying. So, a little side note: Melissa is also a licensed firearm um, owner. Yeah. Because we didn't say that in the beginning. Yep. We is. said Matt was, but we did not express that you were as well. So. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation that I think we are in, in here in Canada because, like you said, anything can be considered a weapon if used in a violent way or yes. in an assaulting type of way. Absolutely. However, you know, under under the story that we're telling right now is, again, like, I'm the only person in my house. I have two teenagers and, well, they're crazy little people, but... If, say, they were out and not home, like, I'm left to my own devices, my my curly-haired mutts would run and pee themselves in the corner. There's nobody coming to save this girl. So, you know, even if I picked up the lamp on the bedside table and hit someone in the head with it, 
I could still be charged. You, well, nah, again, again, gray area, circumstantial, circumstantial yeah. and and gray area. But However, again, it's it the system is broken of being like somebody's. It it should be game on. If somebody breaks into your house, like yeah, it, it should be game dude, on. Dude, you're in the wrong place. But yeah, this is the problem. Let's, and, let's run two scenarios here. Yeah, um, please. Melissa's home alone. She's in bed. It's two in the morning. Dogs and her are there in the bedroom. She hears the door get kicked open. Dogs are going crazy. Um, first thing she instinctively wants to do is go to the gun safe and at least maybe grab a gun and defend it. And then maybe through the closed bedroom door, just announce like, hey, buddy, I got a gun. I'm armed in here. Yeah, while dialing 911 and having 911 on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the operator answers and she and she's like, oh, someone just broke in my house. I live at such and such address. Please send police. And by the way, I have a gun in my hands and I will shoot this person if they come through my bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the person on the other end of the line is, is saying, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. But like, you don't know who it is. You have no idea. It maybe it's uh, someone in a mental state. They're disoriented. Maybe they're drunk and they're, they they live next door and they went into the wrong house or something. Completely. But if they come through that bedroom door after hearing, "Hey, buddy, I have a firearm," you know that that's probably going to be their own fault. So so say that person comes through the door. Melissa ends up putting two rounds through this person, uh, so shoots them twice, and they go down the hallway and police show up two minutes later. That person was a violent offender. He was just released. He's got a history of maybe assault on women or sexual assault. I, mm-hmm. I, I can probably guarantee you that nothing's going to happen to Melissa in this instance. In that situation. You know what I mean? You're probably right. But if, if it was, like I said, the drunk guy from next door, he broke into the wrong house and he doesn't understand, or maybe it's someone uh, that's mentally challenged or whatever, and mm-hmm. they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, maybe that might be a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, having uh, 911 on speakerphone, everything is recorded. So I mean, that helps too. Because if, if it's not for that, it, it's kind of your word versus who you shot. And if that person's dead, mm-hmm. depending on what the police <clears throat> investigator is going to put together, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble by doing that. Most definitely. So that's why I said right off the bat, I'm not going to go for a gun. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless I know the Russian army's kicking in the front door, I have no need to grab a gun right away. Um, that's just uh, kind of my two cents on it. But again... You know, I'm not a legal expert. Um, don't, please don't take my my legal advice. Yeah, this is not legal advice. No, yeah, that's just none a of disclaimer. Us, yeah, no, and none of this is legal advice, other than like steps and stages how to get your license. But no, and all of us are, you know, this is an opinion podcast, and we're just expressing our thoughts and feelings. And I totally agree. Like, you know, none of us are going to be qualified to give any sort of legal anything. But that goes back to what you said about the police not even having their firearms licenses. Like, yeah, they don't know the laws. Their knowledge is even limited because of their lack of training and development in that area. So right. maybe maybe that's where it needs to start. Yeah, I feel like police should have pals. Um, I've can you sorry? Can you say what a pal is? Possession acquisition license. That's, okay. that's what the uh, firearms license is called in Canada. So and your RPAL is? Restricted Possession and Acquisition License. Perfect. So that gives you the license to acquire and possess firearms and ammunition. Gotcha. And that is completely different than your hunting license. Yes. yes. And I think a lot of people confuse it or blur it all into one. Right. So, you know, your 13-year-old son goes to get his, goes to do his weekend course, right? Mm-hmm. He would be getting what? Um, so you can do an all-in-one. You can do a hunting and a, a non-restricted pal mm-hmm. in, in the same weekend. 
Um, but they would be getting what's called uh, like a minor's pal. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be 12 or older. And that just gives you, um, you can acquire ammunition mm -hmm. and you can possess an unrestricted firearm uh, while you're hunting. Gotcha. That might be uh, your father's or your grandfather's firearm, but they have to be with you still. Correct. So right. it's kind of like with our graduated licensing system for driving a vehicle. Yeah, call it a G1, right? It's like a G1 yeah. of, of the firearms You world. can drive and you have to have somebody licensed with you, right? Um, you can hunt without a pal, but that's where crossbows and uh, compound bows. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really have spear hunting here, but uh, they do in other places. Mm -hmm. um, so you can still hunt without a firearms license, but you're limited to a bow only. Right. Or a slingshot in my case. Slingshot, yeah. <laughs> I was watching in some magnificent shows about how David took Goliath down on the weekend. I'm all for it. They have these magical people that practice these arts, these old ancient arts of slingshots. And it's like, that might be my new thing. <laughs> You're not going to jail, let me tell you. Oh man, if you saw this, these videos I was watching, they would take a tree down. I love it. Now, I know it's not part of our questioning, but I do want to touch on it a bit because it's very, we've touched on the safety and storage and everything. Um, what do you say when it comes to, um, having them in the house with minors and children and some of the differences between, you know, some of the school shootings and yeah. people kind of just, Oh, you can't have them in the house. They're so unsafe. And, you know, Johnny <clears throat> shot Charlie and all yeah. these things. Like, it's... Well, okay. I think there's just a massive amount of misinformation and just misunderstanding of, of... And lack of education from the public sector. Like, there's no one in the education system, the government, that ever clears those things up. Well, they wouldn't, right? Because Correct. they want you to be afraid. Of course. And I will just give a super quick example of one of my very best girlfriends. Um, her One of her first questions when we were talking about this topic way back when was, well, I just don't understand why anybody would need an AR-15 and blah, 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 and need, you know, all this stuff and it was just like well first of all you grew up in the states and you have no idea what you're talking about so we had a 20 minute conversation of let me clear this up for you mm -hmm. and the differences and she's like wow like i didn't know no, so this is kind of what this whole podcast is for of just <clears throat> you need to be educated and at least ask some questions and listen instead of just blindly assuming and like oh they're scary and they're bad and they should be well, yeah, and of course, the media is like the biggest culprit. Yeah, not helpful. Not helpful, because they make every firearm look like it's meant for mass murder. Of course, yeah. And they make every firearm owner look like they are guilty of, of in, in murderous intent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> when I was a kid, when I was like old enough to be cognitive, you know, if I could shoot a hockey stick or catch a hockey ball... Uh, I, I was taken down to the gun safe with my father and it was unlocked and the trigger locks were taken off and you know they were proved safe and, and I was taught like hey this is a 12 gauge you know this is a 30 odd six um, these are dangerous we don't touch these we don't go into the, the, the safe I didn't know where the key was anyways. of course um, we don't point them at people we don't point them at dogs and we don't shoot anything unless we're going to eat it. 
Mm-hmm. So I was taught to respect them and kind of, I was taught to fear how dangerous they could be if I misused them. A healthy fear. Right. Um, kids who are kind of sheltered from it, like, oh, we don't have guns with us because we have kids and, you know, guns are scary and they just see guns in video games and, and movies and say they go to their uncle's or their friend's house and there's guns. Well, now they're intrigued. Now they're interested. Now they're, they want to go in and they want to play with them. So um, there was, a, I guess, N- NBC or CNBC, uh, ABC, one of these newscasters somewhere down in the States, um, they have a daycare. Um, so everyone that works there, they <coughs> bring their kids with them. Um, so they have like a daycare center with, uh, you know, activities and toys and stuff. And someone wanted to do a, uh, like a, a test. So they, they took a handgun, a real handgun. Um, they deactivated it, so there's no way it could fire anything. It was unloaded, deactivated, <coughs> so it was just a piece of metal at that point. And they put it in the toolbox. So when all the kids showed up at 8 o'clock with their parents, um, while their parents were working, these kids are with an attendant playing with the daycare, and going through the toolbox, playing with different things, and all of a sudden the kid's got a, a real-looking handgun in his hand, and, and he's pointing it at other people going, pew, 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 pew. And this is all, you know, there's a security camera filming all of, of this. And um, none of these kids have firearms at home. Their, fire, their parents aren't firearms owners. They're not teaching their kids about gun safety and how dangerous they actually are. They just know that guns are bad, guns kill people. What I see on the news, it's bad, but again, it's in the toy box. They think it's a toy. They're like, oh, cool, a gun. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, let's play army. Let's play this. Right? And mm-hmm. there was one kid whose parents were firearms owners who did teach this kid, hey, we don't touch guns. We don't point them at people. They're dangerous. We have them. You don't ever go near them. This is what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. That was the kid that walked over and said, hey, we're not allowed to have this. Took the gun from the kid and then took it to the daycare attendant, the person in charge. Wow. So that's the difference between <clears throat> having guns in the house, whether you want to teach kids or not. You know, the stigma is mm-hmm. bad. Everyone thinks, oh, you shouldn't have guns around children. But if you educate them, right? Um, also, you know, like I used to work at a gun store. I would have people come in. They were gun range members. They owned several guns. But they would only buy enough ammo to go shoot in the range that one time. They never kept ammo at home. And their reasoning was, oh, we have kids at home, so we don't keep ammo. I mean, good idea, yeah, if you, if you don't trust your kids and whatever. And, like, I mean, at any time, if your kid knows how to get access to all this stuff and load it, they could go do something stupid. I, I agree. If they're mentally unstable or they're getting bullied at school, and that's what happens with school shootings and stuff like that when they're given access to these things. Um, but at the same time, like, that's a mental health problem. So, I yes. mean, whether they can steal a gun from their parents they might want to find another way to, to hurt these kids anyways. So, I mean, Absolutely. I feel like the best course of action is if you do have children and you are a firearms owner is to educate them. Don't shelter them from it. Don't try to hide it. I mean, you're going to keep stuff locked up and they're not going to know where the key is. But like my dad showed me, you, you want to educate them. You want to teach them the dangers of it and to stay away from it. And I didn't even. I wasn't even allowed to point toy guns at people no. growing up. But you see kids, you know, shooting each other with water guns and Nerf guns all the time. Like, I feel like that's adding to that. Oh, I'm gonna shoot you kind of thing. I mean, it's fun as an adult to play airsoft and paintball and everything else. But just teach your kids that guns are bad. Don't even point toy guns at people. Well, and and you nailed it. As adults, 
<clears throat> as adults. Yeah. As adults. My, you know, my youngsters, they're 17 and they've been shoot, they've been to the paintball, you know, whatever, where they play. And they've been up one or two times, but it's, um, each time they've been, they come back and they're like, they don't really enjoy it. It's, it's, it hurts getting hit. It does hurt. A, it hurts. And B, it's, it's kind of that, it's, it's the chaos mindset. Right. When you're in that environment, which is meant to kind of create that chaos, it's, uh, I think they, they feel the impact of how chaotic a bunch of youngsters running around with non lethal, non lethal weapons, like paintballs are not lethal. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's accidents that happen, but generally speaking, they're all in fun. And A, they're getting hurt. B, it's chaotic. It, it's just, it's nuts. And my kids don't really enjoy that environment. Like my children had grandparents that hunted and they also were taught at a very young age that what, what um, guns were for, which was for hunting. It was for, for food. It was to put meat in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, living in this town, it's getting progressively worse. Um, I don't, my children have experienced some awful situations in their young life already with yeah. uh, people in their age group having weapons and firearms and illegally of course none of them are legal they've been at parties where there have been uh, weapons brought and I mean mm-hmm. weapons as in gun weapons knives um, there's all kinds of things out there on the streets and none of these youngsters have purchased these firearms legally they were not taken from mom and dad they were not stolen out of this locked safe at home they were purchased on the street smuggled from the states smuggled in from the states they were purchased off the street and they make their way to our town which is you know population of what a hundred thousand people and these uh kids that are under the age of 18 are taking them to parties and taking them and showing them off and haha look what I've got and they're putting them in their backpacks and they're going to field parties with them and they're taking them to school and they're <clears throat> I know of one instance where uh, a friend of my one of my sons um, his co-worker had a gun in his pants at, at work a handgun mm-hmm. in, no in our town yeah absolutely my kids have been to parties house parties and they're sitting on the table mm-hmm wild okay in our town it's nuts so it's not the legal i 100 percent agree with you it is not the legally licensed firearm owners that are the ones causing these problems at all yeah i feel like we need more border security more resources for police to crack down on that stuff that's two billion dollars spent on a problem that doesn't exist that could be directed elsewhere to actually solve that problem absolutely get rid of these guns out of the hands of the wrong people so yeah. let's talk about a little bit for anybody. I mean, I know literally a decade ago, I was very naive. naive. I was okay. very naive of, it, this isn't relevant, but like I was naive enough. I didn't even know you could get drugs on the street. And now that I'm highly more educated about this, I know it's within minutes you can get drugs on the street. Let's talk about how easy it really is to get your hands on an illegal, an illegal acquired firearm. Firearm? Do you want my opinion as a mother of teenagers or his opinion as a licensed professional? Because <laughs> my children, both. My no, children could have a firearm brought to our home faster than I could order a pizza. But this is what I think is important. And I'm not just... joking, and that's not an exaggeration. 
And it's not just my children. It's, Absolutely. It's pretty well any You give me teenager, five minutes, I'll come back with one right now. Any teenager in our town that is that goes to any local high school, let's just leave it broad, any of our local high schools, within probably four IG messages sent or a couple of texts, and they could have a weapon, like a firearm, brought to my front door. All it takes is a thousand dollars, and you know the right person or the wrong person. The so wrong person. Yeah. And this, I think, is important <clears throat> because it's easy to be like, "Oh, they're coming from our safe." Well, mm-hmm. they're and not. To, no, and to be clear, because I don't know that it's really this clear, is they're in a locked safe. The firearm itself is locked. Mm-hmm. The ammo is separate. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we covered this, but, like, that is massively different and so, like, I just think it's important to press of being, like, you don't just open a door or, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a key. No. Like, we have it's a coded... A coded lock safe. safe. Or a key where a lot of firearm safes, I believe, are d- dual keys. You have to have two keys turning at the same so time. Um, to unlock that. So, yeah. you know, you and your husband would have to go and unlock them at the same time. Like, right. it needs two keys. Mm-hmm. Or it needs a code. Or yeah. or a code and a key, some of them. like. Yeah. And then again, a, a gun without bullets is not going to do anything unless you're going to yeah. hit someone in the head with it. And I would do more damage with my coffee cup. Right? So, so yeah. I just think that's important in being like, you're yeah. telling me. Mm-hmm. Somebody on, like, just these high school students. Yep. Yeah. Five minutes, thousand bucks. And I can guarantee you they're what is mentioned that like we know it is the in the legal firearm world as a prohib. We call them prohibs. Um, so prohibs, uh, just to give you some background, in the early nineties, uh, the Kretchen government came out with a bunch of laws, banned a lot of uh, fully autos. Because before then, people who had licenses could own like uh, Thompson submachine guns from World War II and stuff like that of historical value. Like historical. Yeah, those were banned, and then along with what what's called prohibs. So there were any pistol with a four-inch barrel or less. Mm. Um, so smaller handguns, more concealable, whatever. So mm-hmm. um, after that, any pistol sold in Canada had to be at least uh, had to have a barrel with at least a length of four and a quarter inches. Um, if you own prohibs, um, you were grandfathered a license, um, but they died with you. Um, so you weren't able to transfer them or, or whatever. Um, you could buy other prohibs from people, but um, basically prohibs, four-inch barrel or less, small handguns. If you go on Google right now and look at any significant Gun bus, drug bust, Edmonton Police, Toronto Police, Peterborough Police, Kitchener-Waterloo Police, Montreal Police, Ottawa Police, busted handgun, busted handgun, found handgun, criminal charge, handgun, handgun. It's going to be a prohib. There's a picture of a prohib on there every time. It's a small handgun that hasn't even been sold in Canada since 1992. So definitely came from the States. You can't even buy them here. And those are the guns that are making the rounds through the criminal because, yes, they're easy to conceal. You could drive down to Detroit, go buy one for 200 bucks off someone in the street. In the alley. Smuggle it in your pants across the border and get 1000 or 2000 bucks for it on the streets here. Very, it happens all the time. There was a guy busted who 
was doing it for 35 years before he got busted. Every single week. And it's estimated that he smuggled over 100,000 firearms into Canada. Holy In that time. All prohibits. Never mind all the guy, like anyone that's, you know, regularly cross-bordering that want to make a little side cash. It's like cigarettes back in the day. Like truck drivers, long-haul truck drivers, we were bringing back all these illegal cigarettes. That's why we had to get the new stamps and seals and all this on there on cigarettes. Absolutely. Whereas firearms are a lot easier to conceal than cases of cigarettes. Of course. Yeah, you can hide them. If you're bringing a couple at a time, you're not being super greedy. You're being discreet. You're bringing over a few at a time. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine the flood that's coming in. Is there any estimate of how many illegal firearms are in Canada? Um, I'm sure there is. I don't have that number in front of me. Um, That's okay. um, From what's been busted, I'm sure that number is out there. What's been busted either at the border or taken off the streets from criminals. But like I said, every time you see a picture in the paper of someone getting busted with an illegal firearm, it, it, it's a prohibit. It's a prohibit. It's not something that they stole from me or stole from another legal owner. It was something that was smuggled from the states. Well, and I would assume because the licensing is so intense in Canada and takes so much work and so much effort, so much time and cash, that legal firearms owners in Canada are not going to be you know, negligent. You are not going to leave things unlocked. You're not going to leave things just laying around. You're not going to leave a weapon at the gun range. You're not going to do these foolish, senseless, completely ridiculous things that it would allow for it to get into the wrong hands. The other thing too is as a licensed owner, we're held to a higher standard. Much. So if we if we're driving even, and they run our plates, mm-hmm. it's attached to your driver's license. Of course, so it'll come yeah. up that you ha- that you're a licensed firearm owner. Any so firearms dri- in the in the car today, Mister Carter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're driving around like an asshole, mm-hmm. you know, like we're help. So you gotta. So you're a better driver. Mm-hmm. You're doing all of these things. They tell you even in the course, like if you're not already an upstanding citizen you better become you better become one real fast because you're just it you're heightened well and crossing borders would be also probably a little more intense for you guys because of that tag on your on your um coming back yeah Mm -hmm. going in um obviously americans don't know Uh, yeah coming back yeah um i mean there are rules i did buy when we went to nashville once i did buy some ammo at walmart and brought it back Mm -hmm. it was completely legal course um legal on the canadian side not on the american side so um but back to having a license uh, if you do own a pal or an art pal uh, you actually get c picked every single day so you're ran through a database to the rcmp and because we live in ontario with the opp um the second i have any charge at all that's related to any violent charge so if uh, i get a domestic violence or an assault charge or anything like that mm-hmm. That's ran. It gets picked up in the system. They send somebody through the door to come. And you lose everything. Absolutely. Everything. Because, and I I don't think we've touched on this, but every single firearm that you and Melissa own is registered. Restricted is registered. Restricted is registered. Yeah, so back before Stephen Harper um, 
So that, that was another thing with the correction and liberals. Um, they wanted to register long guns. Yes, I remember So that. back before that, it was they were still restricted in classification. Um, th- those were registered. So any handgun, any AR-15, anything that you had full auto or prohibited before 1992, those were all registered. Any long gun, so anything you could buy today with a, with a non-restricted license, it wasn't. So they made it that they wanted to do that, thinking it would save lives. So it didn't. The data wasn't there. Right, mm-hmm. nobody was getting shot with uh, deer hunting rifles and shotguns and, and stuff like that. It was again the the, the still the stolen, the smuggled, uh, the illegal firearms. Um, so when Stephen Harper was in power, uh, they got rid of the long gun registration. Mm-hmm. It was a waste of money. It wasn't doing anything. I remember that the data showed that it, it wasn't effective. Um, so now anything non restricted isn't registered. Gotcha. Um, May of 2020, they kind of brought in what's called like a backdoor registry. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you buy something that's recorded by the shop, not necessarily recorded by the government or the RCMP, like a restricted gun is, but the shop has that record and they're supposed to keep those records for like 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. So if anyone, Just in case. Yeah, if anyone ever comes asking, then technically it is still a registry. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. for the most part, um, yeah, the only thing that uh, is registered is our handguns and our AR-15s and stuff. Gotcha. Um, so they prohibited this stuff. I'm still allowed to own it. I just can't take it to the range. I'm not allowed to use it in any way. It just kind of sits in my safe. So, okay, so let's... We're good. We're good to go for a few more minutes, right? Please, yeah. Okay, so that... Thank you for bringing that up. So, again, question from a non, non-firearm non owner. So, under current laws that changed in May of 2020, right? You legally are allowed to own the handguns and you're legally allowed to own these restricted weapons, guns, tools, tools, tools. But now under the current law, you cannot take them out of the safe. Basically, you're not allowed to remove them from your home. You can't take them to the range. You can't take them hunting. You can't take them anywhere. Right. They have to stay locked up and they have to stay in the house. Right. Yeah. So before that, uh, the air 15s, like I said, they were restricted. Um, So I was allowed to take them on the range and back. Um, to the gun show, to the gun store, mm-hmm. um, to a port or entry, like the airport or the border, if I was going to the States to... Go on a hunting trip or something. Hunting trip. You want to go take it with you? Or a uh, shooting competition or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything restricted, I had kind of free reign to take it to an appropriate place. I couldn't take it to the mall. I couldn't <laughs> take it to Canadian Tire, the grocery Nuclear. store. Yeah, obviously. Know, I couldn't take it on a walk downtown. You know, I couldn't do any of that stuff. Just to what was stated on my transport regulations. Gotcha. Um, after May of 2020, when they said AR-15s are now uh, prohibited, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to take it anywhere. But so it they, stays locked up in your safe under up, lock and key, waiting for the collecting next dust. Law. Yeah, collecting dust. It doesn't get dusty in there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> collecting, yeah, air. Um, but they they want to announce a buyback. They 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 were supposed to be an amnesty period of, of two years. So May of twenty twenty two, they were supposed to have some law in place where <laughs> I had to go turn it in or they buy it back from me or whatever. And they just extended that now another two years. So, like, October of 2024 mm-hmm. is the next date. Um, Providing the, the government doesn't change again between now and then. Yeah, and they're still trying to work um, on a buyback or whatever. Um, that would be ludicrous. Though. I know. In May of 2022, they put a freeze on handguns, sales, and transfers. 
Um, so transfer of a firearm, I mean, how it used to be with non-restricted is if you had a license, mm-hmm. I had a license, mm-hmm. you wanted to buy a shotgun from me, mm-hmm. I check your license, yeah, you're, you're good to go, you're a licensed person, you give me the money, I give you the shotgun. Right, that's how gun shows operate, right? Right, with a handgun or any restricted rifle, um, I got to call the RCMP mm. and said, here's my license number, mm-hmm. I'm selling this serial number to this license number. They say, okay, let's have a look. They check us. They check us. Um, other provinces, it's quick because it's all RCMP. So it's RCMP to RCMP interaction. You mm-hmm. can walk out of my, it can take an hour maybe. Right. You want to buy a gun from me? <clears throat> we do that process, the transfer profit process. We sit and have a coffee while they run our picks and we're yep, good. And we're good. Uh, in Ontario, it changes from the RCMP to the OPP. Mm-hmm. So now we're checked twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the resources in Aurelia at the OPP headquarters, they're very few. I think there's only one or two people that sit on a desk that look after all transfers and new sales of handguns. So they got a stack of paperwork. It could take six, six months. It could take eight months, a year. Wow. So you walk into the gun store here in Peterborough, you want to buy a handgun. We mm-hmm. can't anymore. But before May of 2022, you'd walk in, you'd pay. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a Saturday, it's not even getting started until Monday. Right. Because they're not open. So Monday morning, they call in to the RCMP. They run everything. They say, okay. They send it to the OPP. And when the OPPs finish it, they send the paperwork to the gun store. The gun store calls you, hey, it's ready. Come pick it up. So you're not walking out of that store the same day as the gun. Wow. It could take you six months. Important information. Right? Before you get it. That Um, is very important information for people to know. In May of 2022, they put a freeze on that. So there's no more handgun sales. There's no more transfers. Period. So I own handguns. I can't sell them. I can't transfer them. Melissa has a license. Restricted. I have a restricted license. I had bought handguns for her. Of course. That we planned on putting in her name so she could have them. Can't do it now. Can't do it. Even though she sleeps right in front of the safe in the same house <laughs> six inches away from you she's a member at the same range she's taking the same has all of her course. qualifications I'm, I'm not allowed to give her a gun because that's supposed to keep our streets safer <clears throat> in the eyes of the government and you're not even allowed to and you aren't even allowed to remove it from your home anyway so i can still take the handguns to the range can you yes there there is a freeze on sales and transfers okay for handguns. but you're still allowed to i'm allowed to go to the range lock it up mm-hmm. take it to the range shoot targets yes. take it from home, home lock it back but up. anything that was prohibited in 2020 mm-hmm. is just uh it's a decoration the safe queen we call it the safe queen i like that Interesting. So there's like multiple layers of kind of strange laws now. Yeah, I feel like, um, again, anything above and beyond getting a license, any law is just unnecessary because of that criminal code Mm -hmm. violation. So you don't have a license. I can't have anything. If you have a gun under your bed and... Your cops come in and kick your door in and find it, and yeah. you don't have a license. You're charged. Going to jail. I'm, I'm going to jail anyway. Right. So any other law mm-hmm. above that, it's it supersedes unnecessary. It's already an offense for you. Now right. me having a license, any law attached to guns is only affecting me. Right. And like I said, um, me and my group were accounted for five murders last year out of three hundred and. Something. 97 or 367 or something yeah. like that? 343. 43. So there was 338 shootings that we didn't do, but the government wants to spend $2 million buying our guns back to save five out of 343. To save five lives a year. 
like I said, moose kill 15.7 on average, so... Maybe hmm. we spent $2 billion on moose control. And Maybe safe. we need to license the moose. Absolutely. Maybe we need to spend the $2 billion fencing the sides of the highways like they have in Banff National Park so that the moose can't cross the highway. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, again, down in the States, they have what's called the Second Amendment. That's yes, they built do. into their constitution that having a firearm is your right as an American. Yes. Um, I feel like we need something like that. It should be a right. It should be a universal right. Um, any form of self-defense should be a universal right. And I really truly believe that at least women should be allowed to carry a consume, right? You're not allowed to pepper spray or tasers, mm -hmm. yet you're the target of race rapists and people who are intent on hurting people. It's little old ladies that get their purses robbed, not big strong men. I don't need to carry a gun, I could care less. Yeah, you have enough safe. strength and, and yeah. knowledge to punch somebody and hurt them. Absolutely, right? Whereas Melissa and I, you know, are five foot nothing, small statured bodies. Right. If her and I are walking home from the grocery store at eight o'clock at night when it's dark, we become prey. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what you hear of on the trails in Peterborough, woman attacked or in Jackson's Oh, Park, I quit jogging. Yeah. I quit jogging through Jackson's Park because of that exact reason. Yeah. Because three women were attacked, one went missing, um, one was seriously assaulted, and one of them was raped. But down to the whole states thing, Plano, Texas, nobody fucks around in Plano, Texas. You don't get your house broken into, you, you don't get raped on a jog. You probably don't even have to lock your front door. You don't, because people know not to fuck around with people in Plano, Texas, because you're mm -hmm. going to get shot. And I would imagine that probably is blanket for lots of parts of Texas. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure other states like Montana and Utah and Colorado and kind of like the mm -hmm. Wild West, quote unquote, states. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the lifestyle is different. And I, I would assume, now again, I, I don't expect you to be knowledgeable about other provinces, but <clears throat> our federal gun law jurisdiction stuff, it is, it, it's blanketed right across Canada, correct? Everybody, yes. So no matter whether you're in Alberta, up in a mountain somewhere, all by yourself, or you're downtown Toronto, the laws are the same. Laws are the same. Interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would assume that that has something to do with the fact that we are A, a colonized country, and B, we do not have an actual, like we have a charter of rights and freedoms, but it's very like wishy-washy, because mm -hmm. um, we don't actually have those rights and freedoms. Like they are kind of subject to... The so over change on and the, the oversight discussion. of the current policies and yes. the oversight of the current government, the oversight of whatever the British government wants to implement upon us. Um, so we just don't have those same rights. Right. It's interesting to know, though, yeah. that each province is handled completely the same. Right. Even though a pop population density changes the natural climate of the country changes as you move from east coast to the north to the west coast right interesting yeah absolutely i mean it is one blanket law from the federal government as is any other major law um since the liberals have been in power after Stephen harper not only are they trying to make all these crazy gun laws that don't really make sense mm -hmm. when you look at the stats and the actual facts they're also lessening crime um punishments and and stuff for for criminals um you would think if they wanted to keep streets safer and get illegal guns that they would 
make harsher penalties for being caught with a gun when they actually have... Well, you would think so. But they've actually lessened those penalties so, in the last eight years. Okay, let's, let's say that for the people in the back. <clears throat> so even though gun laws in Canada have got exponentially harsher mm-hmm. for licensed gun owners, yes. the penalty for unlicensed gun owners that commit an offense with a, a gun are, are less. That's correct. Yes, ma'am. That's correct. 100%. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, make we, that we make need sense. A, we need a few minutes for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that's I, soaking into my brain right now. I'm with the the Japanese Admiral Yamamoto on this. Um, he was responsible for the the attacks on Pearl Harbor. Yes. Um, and he was asked, like, you attacked Pearl Harbor, you had America on its knees. Why yes. Did, why didn't you invade? And he said. Uh, you can invade the U.S. because behind every blade of grass is a person with a gun. And that's the only reason that kept them from doing that. Because Mm -hmm. it wasn't just the military they were looking after, it was... Citizens. Citizens. Everybody and their child with a gun. Right. The entire country. And I feel like Canada on the world stage, we are part of NATO, we're part of all these, we have have allies... um, but our military is a bit of a joke. It's underfunded. It's understaffed. And I think having more legal pal owners and more people with legal guns kind of adds to our sovereignty and our security as a nation than taking them away. And that would make sense why that's not encouraged. Yeah, I feel like that might be Politically one of those speaking. conspiracy theories pointing to why they want us disarmed because... Someone's going to come walking through the front door someday. Mm -hmm. And if we can't defend ourselves, we're subject to their rule. Well, and I guess it's the same under, like, the fact that we aren't sovereign. Like, Canada is not, like, we are are under the British Empire. We are ruled by the, the colony. So, at any given point, like, we pay land tax to the crown. We do not own our land. Mm hmm we own our building, but we don't own the land that the building sits on. So at any given point in time, and like the pipeline is a perfect example of that. The railroad is a perfect example of that. If I own acreage in Alberta and the rail company wants to come in and lay track across my property, not much you can do about it. I can't hardly do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You, because I don't own that land. That's correct. Basically everything in Canada is crown. And even if it doesn't say crown, it's, it's under British Empire rule. It's under the Crown Corporation. So I don't know how many people know that either. That right. might be a whole other podcast. A whole other episode. <laughs> that might be a whole other episode. So on that note, I think we're going to wrap it here. So hopefully this was educational and informative and helpful. And yeah, any last words? I mean, we're, I'm me and my people, us legally owned firearms owners were, were grouped all together and made out to the media to be monsters and the, the government hates us. I mean, there's 2.26 million power holders that own about 12.7 million guns or more in Canada. I mean, if we were really a problem, you'd know. Oh, you would know. There would be, there would be chaos, right? Absolutely. The streets would be running with uh, blood from 
legal firearms owners, but you know. That is just not the case. That's not the facts. And the media spin does not support the facts. That is correct. As in so many other cases. There's an agenda here and what it is, I'm, I don't know, but. Amazing. Well, thanks guys until next week. You bet. Thank you, Matt, for joining us today. Thanks for having me.